This is Pop Tech Nation. The weekly show where we talk about the most interesting stories taking place in the publishing and technology world. This is the week of October 12, 2015. I'm your host, Shovik Paul. And I am your co-host, Mike Rom. How's it going, Mike? I'm doing really good. How are you today? Not bad, not bad. So listeners, if you're joining us for the first time, this is where Mike and I were both industry insiders from both the publishing world as well as the technology world. We sit around, we chat about some hot stuff going on in tech. We relate it back to uh, what's going on in the book, magazine, publishing industry in general. We chit-chat. We do this, by the way, on a weekly basis, Mike. We've been a little off with that schedule last couple of weeks, um, but I think that had a lot to do with coming to the end of summer. We're going to go back, hopefully, and I, I, I you know, strive to go back to doing this on a much more regular weekly basis, so please do subscribe to our podcast and uh, be sure to you know come back and listen to this every week. That's right. Yeah, we're going to get on a much more recurring schedule. Uh, it's kind of crazy. You know, in a couple of months, it's going to be Christmas. I don't know where this year went. This year just flew by, Mike. It, it, it's wild. It, it, so what, what do we have in store for our listeners today? So, Mike, I think the big, big discussion uh, that I've been itching to talk about is all the changes that have happened with Apple's iOS 9, right, which got released now a few weeks back. Mm -hmm. uh, there were some massive changes uh, when it came to, for example, the newsstand disappearing, mm -hmm. right, uh, along with some other sort of new things that Apple released and uh, such as apps for Apple TV that I think are going to be really important to publishers. So let's dive right into that. Sure. Apple always gets so much attention. They're such... Uh, Drama queens. It's it's like half of what we talk about is, is about Apple, but obviously they deserve it because yeah, so many of us are on iPhones. Well, it's not just that. I mean, the reality is when it comes to content in terms of both uh, you know in-app purchases, so what people are paying for behind paywalls, uh, inside of apps, uh, on devices, it's still for the most part, happening on Apple devices. Cool. You know? Yeah, no, I mean... So it's it, important. It, it, it really is. And we're going to, we're gonna, I think, look at a bunch of different facets around new devices, new oper uh, operating system uh, types of uh, capabilities and, 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 and uh, you know, advancements. But let's really start at the top, uh, the top top. Uh, show, you have a new iPhone 6S. What's your sort of initial reaction to it? Do you like hey, man, it? it's, it's, it's great. Look, I mean, uh, first of all, I think that that Apple's um, you know new plan where you can pay forty bucks a month to get the latest greatest phone, you know, uh, once a year. I think that's that's an easy plan to understand. You're probably overpaying for the phone, but uh, I went down that that route. Cool. Um, I got the iPhone 6s. It's you know it, it's got the force touch thing where you can peek into your email. Uh, there's some cool features. I, I don't think it's revolutionary, Mike. Mm -hmm. uh, it hasn't changed my life. But there's some cool functionalities there. You know, I, I, if I want to take a picture or take a selfie, I can not only have to open up a uh, the camera app, you know, switch Thank it over God. to selfie. Thank God. You know, I don't know what you yeah. would do with uh, wasting yeah. that 1.5 uh, I, I, I know. And you know how important selfies are to the world these days, this you know? It's the, the most <laughs> important thing. Um, yeah, no, but I, apart I, from that, it, it ha it's not that. Look, I mean, at these at, at 
at the point where we're at with technology, these are going to be, you know, like iterations as opposed to being like massive, massive changes, you know, to, to the device itself. Right. You know? Right. Uh, so it's been great. I think the operating system for me, uh, the big switch was switching over to iOS nine. I think it is flowing a lot better. Like it just feels better. It feels a little smoother. Um, as far as, uh, the big change for publishers, I think, is that the newsstand's gone, right, Mike? Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we're, and it, it, I think it makes sense to like kind of break down this discussion where it's sort of like what has happened and what is about to happen with Apple. So I think you're right, for especially in the context of this show and our our typical audience that that listen to us. Um, as it relates to publishers, newsstand gone, Apple News is here. So I mean, the first part of that newsstand being gone, it's funny. Like I know a lot of publishers were really bent out of shape around that idea. Of course, when you update to iOS nine, your newsstand apps are still there. Yep. They're just in not not in a relegated folder as we've talked about in weeks prior. And um, so, I mean, if you didn't really change anything, I mean, hopefully if you have an app, you, you've done the necessary um, updates to make sure it just works on iOS 9, but nothing really changes yeah, for your app other than what I, what I think is, and we said this again a couple of months back, which is because your app as a magazine publisher or a web content producer um, is now playing in the same sandbox as all other apps, I think it just fundamentally raises the bar in how your app should work. You know, the the days of just straight PDF replicas with no additional content where, you know, if you want to open it once a week and you're still staring at the same magazine cover, uh, you know, week in and week out. I don't know that, you know, I think that type of uh, product strategy for these typical newsstand apps didn't really work, right? That's why they probably removed the newsstand. So I think not too much has changed from a technical perspective, but I'm hoping that we do see um, the publishers sort of grab the bull by the horns and take this as an opportunity to either, honestly, you know, uh, either scrap the app if it's it's not doing anything or take the next step forward and make it more interesting. Well, what about, about, you know, one of the changes that Apple had said they were going to make is, well, yeah, we're taking away the newsstand, but there's going to be this new thing called Apple News. Mm-hmm. And look, I mean, I went into Apple News. I looked at the feed. I guess much like Apple Music, I you know, where initially when they relaunched it, I was like, this is cool. You know, I get like a 90-day free trial. I'm going to check it out. And then I sort of went back to looking at, you know, using Spotify. Mm-hmm. With Apple News, I did the same exact thing. I was sort of engaged with it, or I almost forced myself to be engaged with it for the first, I don't know, one week. And then, like, the feed didn't feel as polished, I guess, right. as, um, you know, some of the other apps that I use to get my news feeds. Right. Um, I, I don't know. Have, have, what's, have you been using Apple News? I haven't. I have not. Uh, part of the reason why is I already have way too many other apps that are giving me, uh, you know, news and stories from either a single publisher source yep. or, you know, aggregator. There's just so much out there. I think it's kind of funny. Like, I haven't seen any definitive data out there to, to support this, but just anecdotally, like, Apple Music launches, it's going to kill Spotify, right? Apple, Apple News launches, it's going to kill Flipboard. Uh, I think we all get really worked up, and then these products ship, and it's sort of like... A lot of people that love Spotify or love Flipboard, they're not going to just switch because Apple did it. Like, you know, you know where, honestly, where I see the most um, opportunity for Apple is when I talk to, like, my parents and their friends. Like, the people that 
they weren't using Spotify. Right. They were still on like iTunes, like the MP3s that they bought and downloaded. Mm-hmm. And now, now they're like, oh, if I could get every song ever in the world, I'll do that. I was talking to my dad who, you know, he's he goes to msnbc.com like to get his news. And now he's been playing around with Apple News and he's like, cool, I can like different either stories or make sure I hook in with different brands that I like, you know, a classic sort of aggregator approach, which yep. is what Apple News is, uh, he's into it. But that's because he wasn't really, right, um, right. Yeah, he wasn't wasn't. really using an alternative first. So it's right. maybe not the sexiest thing for Apple because everyone's always looking for younger and younger and younger, you know, generations and usage. But I think where, where Apple well, you know, News would Apple be successful. Apple got you two on stage because, uh, <laughs> you know, so I'm not sure if they're looking for And every millennial was like, who are these old, scary <laughs> Irish people? Um, but, right. but, but, get, but getting some of the older generations, and I don't mean like elderly, you know, whatever, 50, 60, 70 year olds um, to try out an aggregated news app, I think they are having success there, at least anecdotally. Like that's what it sounds like on, on, on my side of the fence. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because Apple's done a terrible job of, you know, when it comes to their own apps, right? Like think about that. Everyone's got this one folder on their phone where they take the stock app, mm-hmm. the compass app, totally. Uh, you know, the newsstand, the old newsstand, like, People take all the apps that Apple comes out with and put them, like, hide them somewhere because Apple doesn't allow you to delete them. I, I, I feel like it, they, very, they always very, get it wrong. In very mature fashion, I, I label that folder duty. And I, and I pull in all the, the Apple apps. Oh, that I, I just don't use my compass uh, that much. I'm uh, not going to lie. You know, <laughs> I, I call it something else, but I'm not going to mention it on the air. That's but, fair. By the way, speaking of music, I don't know, Mike, if you heard about this, there's uh, do you know what Popcorn Time is? This is like an app where you can go check out movies mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for free. It, right. it sort of like got a Netflix interface, right. but you can which, go... Which we officially, we are not promoting. Yeah, yeah we're not yourself. promoting this. It's it's <laughs> yeah. it's uh, it's illegal uh, in, I think, most countries right. around the world. But it's called Popcorn Time, and essentially you download it, and it, it you know... Extreme movies. It streams movies. Out, like yeah. imagine Netflix, but all the latest movies, etc., there's a new um, popcorn time equivalent, by the way. Uh, it's called uh, Aeros, A-U-R-O-U-S. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like popcorn time for music. So okay. you can listen to illegal music from, or I should say you can listen to any music, any song, any album, anywhere in the world. And um, it's streaming it in illegally, I guess. I, I, you know, I think all of these things will factor into, you know end user behavior and usage. I mean, again, like, you know, I, you know, I think a lot of people don't go to a movie theater uh, or prefer not to because they can get it for free sitting at home, sort of like what Napster did for music years mm-hmm. before, uh, before it got blocked. I, I just think like brands have got to start thinking about this kind of stuff. And I, I mean, listen, I, I give it to Apple for at least trying. So yeah, it's, it's, it's so weird when you think about, there are things that unite the different industries across like, movies and music and publishing um and then there are things that just make those industries so different and it just kind of like it's it's kind of being in the publishing industry it kind of makes you a little angry because it's like when stuff like this happens with movies well it's okay because so many people are still paying 25 dollars a ticket to like bring their kids to go see like frozen three um (laughs) and they get theirs and then music is still listen I hope that service you just mentioned doesn't pick up steam because I feel like music is headed in the right direction. More and more people are subscribing to Apple Music or Spotify, um, and hopefully that creates opportunities, especially for indie mm-hmm. music mm-hmm. Uh, folks. But then you look at publishing, you know, the, the written word, and it just 
it's kind of annoying that there is no de facto business model. And we're going to talk a little bit. I mean, of course, there is a business model. It's advertising and paywalls, both of which are under constant pressure. Yeah. It just kind of makes me a little angry about all the writers that are creating all this awesome content, and we still haven't you know, perfectly figured out how to, how to properly compensate these people. Well, I mean, I think it has to do with end user perception, right? In other words, um, you know, I feel like as an industry, we almost did it to ourselves. Um, at some point, when, in, in when, the, when, the, when the paywalls, you know, with, when the internet first came out and the paywalls went down, right? We said, here, take this content, take it for free, and we'll, we'll monetize against ads, mm -hmm. right? As an industry, that's, that's what happened, right? And now New York Times and others have, are trying to bring back, I would say the Times has been very successful, the Journal's been successful at bringing back or, or putting up a paywall. But I, I, I just think that as a consumer, I, you know, I, you, we've all been trained to say, yeah, well, why should I pay for these written words, right? Whereas the music industry and the movie industry from day one said, wait a minute, we're not going to give this away for free, mm -hmm. right? This is going to cost you something. Yeah. And if, if you're getting it for free somehow, you're doing it illegally, mm -hmm. right? Whereas as an industry, we said, yeah, yeah, take it for free. We'll still monetize your eyeballs, yeah. you yeah. know, and, and, um, it's somewhat come around to bite, I think, the industry in the ass. Yep. You know? Yeah. And, um, and, and, and this is kind of a, a good segue to another topic we wanted to drill into. And, and of course, there's been endless, endless, endless amounts of discussions around ad blocking. Um, it was really brought to light recently because iOS 9, of course, is going to allow apps to be installed that, that allow ad blocking. And it's fine. I read a report that, like, <laughs> this is so messed up that... It's not even the uh, estimated usage of ad blockers on iOS that's creating the bigger uh, problem for publishers. It's that Apple created so much buzz around this yes. issue that like more people than ever were just installing ad blockers on their desktop, which has, has nothing to do with iOS for or mobile, sure. just because they learned about what an ad blocker is and how in 30 seconds they could block all these you know obtrusive ads, mm -hmm. which is kind of like... You know, 100%, but up, you, know you know what the funny thing is, Mike? So my mom, who's... Now heading into her 70s, called me and said, you know, is there a way I can install an ad blocker mm -hmm. on, you know, and, and I she was would like, never ask you that right, right. And, and I was like, mom, like on one, she's like, it wasn't on her phone. It was mm -hmm. on her computer. And I was like, where'd you hear about this? She's like, I don't know. I've been hearing a lot about ad blockers mm -hmm. and it's all because of Apple saying they're now going to allow it on phones. But somehow here's this lady who's like, I've heard something about ad blocking. How do I do that? Yeah. Right, and Google, Google totally appreciates this effort by <laughs> Apple. And they're really yeah, no, I mean, listen, by you know, I, I was reading some mm -hmm. uh, some numbers, Mike. Uh, there was a report by uh, PageFair, and uh, we'll we'll post these on on our um, Twitter feed so you guys can see all of these uh, uh, the numbers. But basically, right now, uh, ad blocking is estimated to cost publishers. Nearly 22 billion, and this is just for the year of 2015. 22 billion, right? There are, you know, by, by according to the study, there are 198 million, let's just call it 200 million active ad blocking users around the world. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, some real early adapters or some tech guys sitting around installing ad blockers. We're talking about 200 million people who are being served ads by a brand and not seeing it, right? Uh, and basically, essentially what this report was saying is ad blocking has grown. In just this past year, the installation of these ad blockers has grown 41%. And quite frankly, I don't. this report came out 
before yeah, I remember um, before Apple even made its announcement. So these numbers are going to go up even more drastically, yeah. right? So, 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 Mike, like, you know, we, we did a show, I remember a few weeks back when we were talking about this, when we were saying, you know, what do publishers do? Yeah. In, in other words, if I say, hey, there's no, you know, gated wall for my, for my content, I'm relying on the fact that, yeah, this, there is value to it, except if I get eyeballs, I'm going to sell you those eyeballs, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell those eyeballs to an advertiser. Mm-hmm. And I go to an advertiser and I say, here's my rate. You know what? I have a thousand people looking at this thing, and suddenly I can't deliver on that because, again, let's let's take these numbers. Let's say forty percent of those, yep, right, like four hundred of those thousands suddenly <clears throat> have ad blockers installed on their devices. So I didn't serve that ad. Mm-hmm. What is my alternative? What do I do? Or it, am I screwed? It, it's it's like a super polarizing issue because. We're in the publishing world. A lot of our listeners are like most everyday people. They don't give a crap, meaning like they don't feel any moral. Like people in publishing are like, it's immoral. It's out. It's an outrage. Other people are like, what? Press a button. Don't see any ads. Great. Like, and that's a really tough thing to overcome because if users don't feel like they're doing anything wrong or they right. don't have an obligation, right. that's one of the biggest problems. I, I think a good way, like let's zoom out a little bit. Uh, Walt Mossberg um, over at Recode, he wrote a, a pretty interesting article uh, titled "Real Trouble with Web Ads," and you know he didn't say anything like that. In you know, crazy. It, it to me, it seems like there's three main reasons why people want to block ads, and it might be a blend of all three, or maybe people do it for just one. Number one, they just simply don't want to see the ads, right? Like the ads are intrusive to the experience. Number two is it creates a huge drag on loading times. So you're sitting there on like three or four G, and your page is loading twice as long as it should be. Um, and number three is privacy. And Walt Mossberg was like kind of drilling into that third reason that people feel very perturbed that they're being tracked and they're being served things that are supposed to be relevant, but they're not. Um, and he proposes something, you know, pretty idealistic, which is that if web ads like looked nicer and they were more transparent and um, the way that privacy worked was, was a lot more on the table. So users didn't need to be freaked out. Like, a lot more people would have less issue with ads. I think that's all true, but I think these things are going to happen over time. So to get back to your question, what do publishers do? I mean, my take on it, and look, I'm sure there's going to be some report in the next few weeks. I couldn't really find, to be honest, I couldn't find anything which is sort of like a status quo since iOS 9 because I don't think the adoption has been as fierce as everyone was worried about, which is a good thing. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like the way it's playing out... But it's, it's too early to tell. It, I mean, it's, we're, we're a few weeks in. It, it's totally too early, yeah. and I might be putting my foot in my mouth by saying this, but I feel like even it's a generally unfair thing for publishers, but I feel like what is fair is that the adoption will hopefully be slow and steady rather than exponentially high, um, so they can start to play around with these other... Um, ideas and, and what are these other ideas? I, I, the three, there's three that really come out uh, glaring to me. Um, number one is going down uh, an app approach, which you know a lot of publishers, especially the ones that are more like mid-sized, smaller, they're very scared of apps because it, it usually requires a, a huge technological investment. And then if you're you know throwing two hundred thousand dollars a year at a project that can only at most yield you a hundred thousand. Well, that's going to be ROI negative. So it's not about just creating an app. I think it's doing it in a smart way, using tools. There's a lot of great tools out there, um, making sure that you could package your content in a environment that you control, because then you can right. sell it, sponsorships. It, and, and in, in other words, um, ads can't be blocked. 
for, for the most in, for the most part inside of an app yeah right? you basically i mean and look you got you got to look at it from the user perspective like if it's just the same exact thing as your website and then there's ads i don't know that users are going to use your app rather than just you have your to create website. some some value there has to be some or, value in yeah, the yeah, way yeah. that this may be saving offline or, yeah. or instant loading or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah um and then if you could transition some of those web users over to an app right. well, well so we should post this article i read about how like app users they do read the most and they share the most so it's not about like getting everyone to use your app because that's unrealistic it's about carving out like your fanboys and the people that rely on your content right maybe try to transition them people away from the open web into your app because you control not only the user experience more, but also serving ads, whether they be like your standard mobile ads or some sort of interesting sponsorship. So to me, that's number one. Number two, of course, is branded content, mm -hmm. right? Developing uh, stories that have like, you know, uh, market marketing companies and agencies, their, their um, message sort of woven into the content. Mm -hmm. Of course, we could talk for hours about how, you know, there's some editorial questions um, yep. on that on that front, but it, it is very viable. And the third one is to, um, you know, start making sure that uh, you are playing nice with the places that people are consuming the most content. So what do I mean by that? Uh, Facebook and Flipboard and, you know, other aggregators. Lynx, who's one of our sponsors, has an amazing app where content's being aggregated. Um, I know that, like, people that partner with a Flipboard, their content, they make an arrangement where their content looks nicer right. and they... And they maybe bring in ads through Flipboard and do a rev right. share. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's really, like, let's face it, that's probably the biggest reason Apple did this, right? Is saying, we're, we're going to start allowing people to block ads on the open web, right. which screws Google, mm -hmm. right? So people are searching for stuff on on their browser and going, you know, discovering content, that goes straight out the window. And, hey, do it inside of Apple News, essentially, because we're going to do we yep. sell ads, right? I mean, that, that that was basically the intention behind this. At least that's what I think. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And, and 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 on a personal basis, I think you and I both share this belief um, in our consultations and, and talking to publishers, which is that if you can do it smartly and if you could do it affordably, do all of these things. Yes. Yeah. You know, like you, you don't know what's going to work. There's a lot of game planning and strategy that happens before you roll out a new product or right. create a new partnership. But if you can, like this year, in 2016, if you're, you know, if you're a publisher, if you could create a, a solid app and you could create maybe some partnerships with aggregators and then you could start to get your sales team up to speed with some, you know, um, uh, brand marketing and branded content, you know, try to get all those three things going because right. maybe one of them is going to really uh, take off and right. it'll work out for you. Well, I mean, the other interesting thing, uh, Mike, is, you know, to me that this also opens the door a little for like emerging technology, right? And, and I bucket those as wearables mm -hmm. and also in-home. And as a matter of fact, I think the, the interesting announcement with iOS, uh, well, I shouldn't say iOS 9, the interesting announcement Apple also made was that they're they're updating the Apple TV. Now, why is that important? That's important because, first of all, the Apple TV is in like one of every five households has an Apple TV, mm -hmm. right? So this isn't just a product that's, you know, a very niche type product that a lot, a lot of houses have an Apple TV. And secondly, what the big sort of, uh, and they're updating the interface and all that stuff. The interesting thing is they are now going to be allowing companies to create native apps, right, for the watch, uh, for the TV, the TV, right? And that why is that important? That's important because 
you know, right now I am seeing, you know, when I open my Apple TV, I see my Netflix app, my HBO app, you know, my, my whatever, you know, uh, XYZ, and, and they're limited, right? There's like five or six, like my music app is, is on there. Now imagine seeing, you know, a, a BuzzFeed app. Now imagine seeing, you know, your, I don't know, business insider brand just sitting next to that Hulu app, right? As a consumer, I'd say, let me, let me check out what that's about. Now, I don't think I'm ever going to read content on my TV, but let's say, again, any of these most brands nowadays have a video channel. They're posting video to YouTube, Vimeo, and all these other places, which they're hoping to get eyeballs on, or they're doing creative things to try to get eyeballs on them. I think it is going to be ever more important to start saying to users, you know, when you open up that TV, we're going to have our brand sitting on your TV as well. It'll just stream in some of the videos that, that we've been posting. Or potentially, if, if you do it right, I think, you know, speaking of like this whole notion of, you know, following a user through their day, right? Like you may serve me some content. In other words, you may say, hey, watch this video. But the minute you're hitting me, I may be on my phone about to go into a meeting and I say, you know what, not the right moment. But let's say you give me the opportunity of saying, hold on, you don't have to watch it now, but you can save it for later. I save it, and then I go home, I put on my TV, and boom, it's just there waiting Interesting. for me. Interesting, yeah. You know, and then you serve me a pre-roll, right? Like, right. ad. I'm much more willing to engage with that kind of content, watch a, a five, ten-second pre-roll at that minute, rather than you saying, watch this pre-roll right now, watch this video right now, in the middle of your day, you know, while you're about to head into a meeting, right? No, that, that that's really interesting. I wasn't even thinking of it that way. Um... Because I definitely agree. I mean, look, if you're a publisher and you have video content, get on the Apple TV. Like, like why would you not want to? Again, as long as you're not paying, like, some sort of obscene arm and right. leg. For but it's early days, right? Like, It's early, but it's very representative of, like, the, the original iPhone. Um, yeah, when the, when the, the first, first iPhone didn't yeah. have third-party apps, yeah. and then the 3G did, and then everything changed. Well, it's also when the apps first came out, there were so few. People were just out of curiosity. Totally. And, and I think that will happen again. Yeah, from, from a deeper, more like practical standpoint, I think what you're suggesting is really interesting because like I have an Apple TV at home right now. I actually don't have cable. So everything I do is funneled through my Apple TV and there will be times where you're, you're like a real cord cutter. Huh? I'm, I'm, I'm a legit cord cutter. Um, I've been trying that Mike. I, I just can't get there yet. It's, it's tough. Yeah. With, especially with like live sports and stuff. But, um, the, so, so what do you do with live sports? You just go to bars? Well, okay, I'm, I'm a little bit of a cheater. I have a something called a Slingbox account set up at my uh, my dad's house, which means like I have a dedicated cable box, which w when I do want to watch something that's on cable, I can stream it, so I'm totally cheating. You, you damn millennials. I'm, not, I'm, <laughs> I'm mooching off your parents it's like, shamelessly. It, it's, so, it's so true. It's so true. I'm not a legit cord, <laughs> cord cutter. Cord cutter. Come on. I'm a half a cord cutter. <laughs> um, the, but there's times I'm on my couch where I'm like, I know there's 10 billion videos like across YouTube and specific publishers' websites that I've like been wanting to watch. And I'm on my couch and I'm like stumped about like what I should be throwing on. So I think you're right. Like if I'm not going to sit there and watch Forbes video on my phone, a lot of people actually do. It's just, I, I don't watch so much video on my phone, but if I was getting, you know, interesting catered videos to me that I could sit there and like save. And then when I get home, I crack open Forbes and there's like five interesting, you know, videos about either investing in Warren Buffett and whatever. Like I would sit there and watch 20 minutes of Forbes video on right. my TV, which is like what, these publishing brands are dying for. Yeah. Um, 
like, video production is really expensive, so maybe this doesn't speak as loudly to our really like sort of indie publishers. But, but, but I don't think it needs to be high production value anymore. Listen, I mean, you know, YouTube acquired uh, was it Twitch that they acquired, or who who acquired Twitch? You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm so not so sure. so you know, it's basically Twitch is um, you watching people play video games. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah, and they, pay, they paid like a lot of money for it, right? I'm, I'm talking like, you know, some ridiculous amount. We're talking in, in like, you know, half uh, a billion or something like that. Something really insane. And all this is, 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 it's Imagine YouTube, except it's not YouTube where people are doing stupid things or funny things or, or talking about stuff. This is just people playing video games, right? There is no production value there, but yeah. there's an audience. Yeah. And I think the audience has changed, right? By the way, the, the thing you're bringing up right now is the single most like WTF moment <laughs> for <laughs> for people like my, I'm 30, so um, well 29, whatever. Like for people my age or above, going up to like my parents' generation, my grandparents' generation. Well, for my where, generation, I'm 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 basically in the 40s, right? You're you're talking about this is what the real f, man? Yeah, because I I, have, <laughs> I I I don't I don't even understand what's going on when people are just sitting around watching. Videos of people playing video games. Yeah, what are yeah. you talking and, about? And just to be clear on what we're WTFing is is this whole idea that people watch videos of other people watching uh, playing video playing games. games. And it sounds like it's like, oh, this is what some of these crazy kids are doing. PewDiePie has the most he's he's a guy who actually like started this whole thing or has at least you know succeeded the most, has I think three times he is number one on YouTube, like three or four times more than like Beyonce or Lady Gaga. That's wild. It's like the Swedish dude that just gets hundreds of millions of, of views on videos of him like making like funny noises and like farting and like playing like you know Halo or whatever. Yeah. People so, are so the moral of the story really mm -hmm. is publishers, you know, drop everything you're doing. Forget forget the written words. <laughs> yeah. You know, forget wasting your time. You know, start playing video games. Get some guy next to you to record get you know what Swedish level dude. you get to, yeah. you know, play some candy crush all day. Basically that's what it comes comes that's down it. to. That's 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 how you're successful, folks. That's it. That's it. Pub Nation uh, always giving you the silver bullets <laughs> on, your, on your business models. Um, no, but we should definitely track the Apple TV. I know as, as a as a consumer, the one thing we haven't we've talked about the Apple, the new Apple TV in the in the context of publishing brands and getting a presence on there and that opportunity. But even just as a user, it seems like it's going to be a really good update. Also, we I mean something that we don't talk that much about other than the past five minutes is gaming. So like the fact that like all these game developers yes. are going to be able to create yes. really fun, interesting apps for the yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure the integration between your phone and your TV is going to be really tight. Yeah. Like your phone's basically going to be your remote control, I'm guessing for a lot of these games. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a great product it, and it, we should definitely track what it means for, for publishers. Well, what about the watch? You're wearing one. I'm wearing one. The watch, I stand by what I had said, I think a couple of months ago when you asked me about it. I really like it. I find it difficult to like summarize why I like it though. The best way I could put it is it does a lot of little things throughout my long day that makes my life a little more convenient. So if like you're into like personalization and getting back to people on time and making your life, you know, if you're really like a streamlined, convenient centric person, you'll probably really like it. Um, if you're not, if you're more of like a mainstream person and you don't really care that much, you know, maybe wait for the next one, which who knows what that will look like, but I imagine it will have some like really serious uh, feature upgrades. So Mike, are you reading, you know, like any of the news or, you know, publishing type content on your watch? I, I actually am. I, That's I, wild. It, it, I never thought I'd read a story because the screen's so small, 
But the thing is that some of the apps that are doing it really well, and what I, what I, what I mean by that is it's pulling out all the text, making it large enough for me to see and giving me maybe like a caption and image and then like the story. There's no ads and there's for, for short form stories, things less than a thousand words, I am totally looking down and pulling up uh, different apps that are, are letting me read on my watch. So that so was actually so a big you're reading like the whole article on your watch. I actually like it. That's amazing. You know, some people out there, like, maybe the text is a little small, but it's actually looking pretty good. No, I, I mean, l- listen, I mean, you know, 10 years ago when people told me, you know, people would be reading on their phones, I was like, no way, mm-hmm. you know, like who in their right mind would do that? So I- I've learned to never discount anything. And I guess you, you, you sort of, you know, put the nail in the coffin there where it's like, yeah, you know, of course you can't discount it because you're doing it. Um, you know, it's interesting because I think we're going to start seeing a lot more apps also coming out on the on the watch. Um, Maz uh, is, uh, which is a platform, uh, is going to be updating their platform, and it's, I think it's going to be the first platform that's going to take all their uh, all the publications and brands on that are running on their platform and making them available uh, on the Apple Watch. So that is, so I, I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more of that stuff happening. So, Mike, I, I, I you know. Uh, I think we've talked about Apple for a while. I want to talk about something else. And maybe th- this should have been the leading story, Mike. Should have. It, it really should have been, been the leading story, which is, you know, Playboy is no longer going to have nude pictures. What? <laughs> what? What's the deal my, there? I mean, listen, I, I'll be really my honest. My childhood is shattered. Yeah. I <laughs> used to just have playdates where we would, like, go under, like, my friend's dad's, like, bed and, like, find an old Playboy and, like, see a couple of boobs and just freak out. <laughs> and then, like, make sure we, like, put it back in the same exact spot so, like, he didn't know that we looked at it. Um, um, so, so what's the deal? Playboy, no longer naked women in Playboy. Is that what you're saying? No, no nudes in Playboy. But, but look, I mean, it's not surprising, right? In the day and age of, you know, uh, lots of porn aggregators and sites which are free... Um, I, I don't think anyone's looking for, in other words, Playboy, you know, used to be provocative, mm-hmm. right? They had, sure, they had great, you know, uh, interviews and, and articles, but it was a provocative magazine in this day and age. It's not that provocative anymore, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, it, it's, is that, is that like the, I, I actually saw the headline, it, like the, 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 the quote that stood out to me was something of the nature of like, there is so much like pornographic and adult content on the web that like we've been sort of desensitized to it. So it's not really a draw for them anymore to have like a couple of naked girls. So maybe they're focusing more on like other interesting yeah, editorial they're, they're, stuff. I mean, I, they've always, they've always had good editorial yeah, stuff. And, and I think, you know, uh, again, like I, I think it puts them more at par with like Maxim and things like that. The, the other reality is because of the nudes, they couldn't, for example, um, have a native app. Mm-hmm. Right, because Apple wouldn't allow it, so they had like these web apps. Right. Um, secondly, you know, and, and this is interesting. Playboy. I remember uh, last year at some point uh, published this really uh, interesting infographics about like the adoption. It was like something really random, like the adoption of like some technology around the world, like of some freeware and this and that. And I found, you know, somebody had forwarded to me. This infographics, and I remember forwarding that same infographics. No way, you know, no different than how I forward any other article from the Times or BuzzFeed or whatever else. I forwarded to ten of my friends. Only two of the ten ever received it, and it's because 
their servers or their uh, work firewalls essentially blocked it. Was it, it. it was a it was a Playboy article. Is that yeah, it was saying? like an article. Again, there was nothing got new it, on there. It, it, so, it. so I think what's happening is in the world of most people discovering brands or spending time or getting you know essentially you see something, someone shares something with with you on your Facebook wall and Twitter, whatever else you click on it, then you end up going to whatever BuzzFeed. Mm-hmm. And maybe you got there because of some some article. Then you stick around for another five minutes reading about like top ten reasons to like pet a cat, right, mm-hmm. or whatever else. And, and I don't think Playboy was in you know getting any of that traffic because a lot of it was being blocked, you know. And, and it all had to do with the nude. So I think what they're figuring is like, look, it's a combination of these things, right? You know, the the world has become pretty insensitive to you know again, it's not provocative anymore, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so they're saying, let's get rid of that. Let's uh, try again. We they have always they've actually launched a lot of really good careers. They've had some phenomenal interviews. I think they're taking that content, saying it's it is about the content. We're going to get rid of the news. Listen, I mean, it's what Maximum these guys. You know, Maxim did it, similar, right? Yeah, very similar, similar type of things. And 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 I think they're going to try to rebuild their brand and an audience. Um, whether it's going to be like successful, in other words, is it too late? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right, like. To me, Playboy will always be Playboy. There's a reason. Like, listen, they make a lot of money from franchise, uh, from 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 licensing their not franchising, licensing their content, right? And uh, not content, their 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 logo and everything else. Like, right. I think <clears throat> people like buying that little logo with the with the bunny because it's about being naughty. So if you take away the naughty, right? Does the brand then resonate with the user? Like, or, but also, like from my perspective, like. I, I didn't even. You could have convinced me that Playboy went out of business five years ago because like, wouldn't care. I'm yeah. not stealing my friend's dad's magazine anymore. Right, and right, right. I probably right. their website. I don't really know like what they right. do other than franchising. So. Right, right, right. But it'll be interesting. Yeah, let's see what happens there. So, the next topic, and I know we ran a little long on Apple. So why don't we cover about like one more story, and then yep. we'll, we're going to be sure to do a show uh, next week. So. I think um, there's been a lot going on in the, the Twitter sphere. So let, let's definitely talk for a couple of minutes about yep. that. Um, Twitter, new CEO, new strategy. Well, new old CEO. New old CEO, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. new old strategy, <laughs> new old fe- – well, actually, actual new features. Uh, let's let's do like the quick and dirty on, on what we know. And, and it's probably what a lot of our listeners already know. But uh, Jack Dorsey, he's back in, He which is like timely because Square – He's yes. IPOing this week. He owns yeah. he owns twenty five percent of the square. Yeah, the, the, the guy's, guy's like doubling down on so everything. It's loaded. amazing. It's amazing. Crazy. It's amazing. Um, a, little, a little bit of a you know uh, Steve Jobs story here, right? You yeah. Know? Yeah. Right. 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 Departure and then yeah. grand return. Yeah. And, and, uh, and hoping he's he can the freaking yeah. man. Like I, I have no doubt. Like they're just they do this massive layoff round, which is like not good for Twitter employees, but I'm sure they're very smartly sort of like cutting the fat. Yeah, uh, they're putting holds on their renovations. It just seems like Twitter was in this really weird state, like of okay, their product has problems, which is like okay, uh, they could try to figure that out, but also the team, the organization had these like deep rooted products. Like their sales team was really like going off the deep end, and they were yep. like, you know like. Doing all these massive renovation projects that were costing a lot of money. I think Jack Dorsey is going to totally kick the organization. Well, he came shape. in, and I think, like, apart from like the layoffs, like he announced some layoffs, but he's also canceled. They were they were they were building a brand new office uh, in San Francisco. He's cut that project. He, he's making some big changes. I think, I think Twitter as a as a product needs to evolve. 
right? There was a time and place where Twitter was very meaningful. Unfortunately for them, I think the audience has changed, right? Like there is sort of this, like it or not, buzzfeedification of the world. I mean, that's what I call it. People like smaller chunks of content, and which Twitter always did, except it's become much more visual, right? Everything's about gifts and a picture, and, and that's why Instagram, for example, is so damn popular, mm -hmm. right? It's, hey, show me some pictures, right? Show me some pictures with a few words. And, you know, I think Twitter was always about the words, and it was always intelligent. It's where I still go to get, like, breaking news and, and you know, read from my, you know, read more articles or interesting thoughts from my favorite journalists. But I think it needs, and they've tried it, right? Like they're now allowing pictures and other things, but yeah. like it needs to evolve. And I think that's what it's, Jack Dorsey can do. Yeah, I, I think you're, I think you're right about that. Uh, it's for, for a while, it's been well-documented that they're having user growth problems. Yep. Now it's being pretty well-documented that they're having user retention problems. Yep. And, th and those are very different problems, right? Growth is the amount of users. Retention mm -hmm. is those users who use it, mm -hmm. using it frequently. Mm -hmm. And both those things are suffering. But I actually, and, and who knows, this stuff is pure chaos. We'll see how it plays out. It's going to be a lot of hard work and strategy for them. But I am very bullish on Twitter because, A, they're trying out these new things. Their newest feature called Moments is this section of Twitter where it's basically they're, they're taking trending news and making it like sort of a siloed into like, okay, like the, the Iran deal, like what's going on there? You tap on it and it's almost like, it almost looks like a little bit of like a Snapchat story of that event where mm. it's like, a, it's curated. So it'll be like a little video clip into a hot tweet about right. that topic into right. an article. Like they are curating and bringing these like, uh, headline stories into like a small packet of like, you know, tweet, tweet, story, video, tweet Interesting. type of situation. So, and, and are they picking those like randomly? I think basically they look at what's trending. They probably have an editorial team that's curating this stuff. Interesting. Like this is, you know, for a while I'm like, Twitter should just buy Flipboard because it could allow users to like use Twitter in a less chronological way, which seems to be their problem. But it looks like they're trying to make these moves on their own. And it's really kind of cool. Like if, if you're a Twitter user, it's your feed is, it has become, well, it's always been the raw chronological, like what is going on everywhere. And then this moments thing is much more of like a high level, but more curated Snapchat. So like for me, like it, it, the, the problem is that there's so many of these freaking apps out there, but like, whereas I, I have actually really been enjoying like the New York times now app or yeah, Buzzfeed news because yeah. I'm getting like my yeah. daily gist. Yeah. And I, I, I wasn't really getting that with Twitter because I'm right. a lot of what I follow are these niche publishers where I want to read that stuff, but it's not like trending. Right. So now I could get my like what's going on with the world and what's going on with my world mm -hmm. inside mm -hmm. of Twitter. So these small things I think really change a lot. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, what happened to, uh, Periscope, like Meerkat and Periscope. Like I actually, I couldn't be more bullish on that idea because the fact is I have a younger cousin who goes to school up at Syracuse. She's a senior. There was a shooting up in Syracuse last night. Unfortunately, it seems like there's shootings Another every other one, day. Huh? It sucks. Wow. But she texted me. She like, you know, <clears throat> oh my God, shooting on campus, like campus on lockdown. Nothing on Google, nothing on the news. Where do I go? I go Twitter and there's a flood of information about what's going on there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And no one else can do that other than Twitter. Yeah, and that right there yeah. is like value beyond infinite value. And if they could 
start to make sure that people who are there, I mean, that's the whole thing. That's the whole point of Periscope, right? Is right, 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 real-time right. video for right. things that, you know, right. I can't make it to the Billy Joel right. concert or right. I want to see what's going on in Syracuse's campus. Right. There's five people there filming. Like, let's get them hooked up. And right. then it becomes TV journalism. Right, so I think right, of right. Twitter, and, and you kind of mashed everything we've talked about between just like real-time events and video and the Apple TV and having uh, like apps on your big screen at home. Yeah. I could just imagine anytime you're interested in an event, they open the Twitter app and you go in there and you choose, you know, do you want to have the view from the guy on in row three or, you know, the mom in row 467 at Madison Square Garden to watch your Billy Joel concert? Like, yeah, except the just, concert. Live Nation would shut that down in two seconds, right? They're, they're going to be well, pissed popcorn, off. Popcorn that. time's still around, right? It's yeah, tough to well, shut these well, things well. down. Hey, by the way, speaking of <laughs> uh, Snapchat, are, are, are you still looking at, you know, the, the, a lot of brands. It's funny, I, as I've been talking to a lot of publishers. I didn't know what you were going to ask it, me. Like Snapchat, are you still looking at? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. No, but, you know, a lot of brands are creating custom content for Snapchat, for Pulse, for all these, you know, different <clears> brands, like, you know, or, or apps or platforms, I should say. Are, are you using, and I, I don't, I ask because I don't really use Snapchat. Yeah. I, I'm are you not, looking at that stuff? I'm not, but... Like if if I read this correctly or if I'm remembering correctly, I read somewhere that BuzzFeed says like twenty percent of their traffic comes from Snapchat, which that must be wrong. Even maybe like I'm pretty sure that's what it said, but that doesn't really entirely make sense. Um, I know BuzzFeed does some like really fun and cool stuff inside of Snapchat. I can't imagine that like twenty percent of their overall viewership is happening through yeah, Snapchat. Like that seems like it's wrong, but but nonetheless, if they're throwing out that type of number. It must be a success for a brand like BuzzFeed. Oh, yes. I don't yeah. use it, but the fact of the matter is so many people, you know, millennials, are in Snapchat like all day. The occasional like tap on ESPN or tap on some sort of Condé brand or BuzzFeed, it, it must be happening. So it, It's funny. When you say it must be happening, it's like, you know, these guys who sell you QR codes are like, everybody's using a QR code. And you, you don't and know you're going, anyone that well, and, and I don't use one. I don't know everyone I yeah. talk to. I'm like, have you ever used a QR code? Like, have you ever gone up to a billboard or, like, opened up the newspaper, taken on your phone and taken, whatever, a picture of a QR code? And nobody I know knows anybody or, or has ever done it. And I'm like, yeah, but, like, people must be doing it because they keep saying that yeah. everyone's doing it, you know? That's so I wonder the, if it's problem. all these things, you know? That's the problem with trying to evaluate basically everything that you and I talk about on the show is that your personal experience infiltrates your opinions so much when like, you know, we're talking about the Apple watch. We love it. And, and a lot of people are like, I don't even know anyone with an Apple watch. So right. it is very with these apps, with these pieces of hardware, there is this whole element of everyone's using them slightly different. So you right. just really have to focus on the major trends. If you right. see Buzzfeed's killing it on Snapchat. Um, I know smaller brands can't really get involved with Snapchat yet, but when they can, you know, like everything else, maybe you well, try it out. Seems like a no-brainer for Playboy to get involved there. Right? There you go. Huh? We should, that, we should set up the partnership well, right let's, now. Let's do it. All right. I think uh, that's it for our show this week. Again, please be sure to uh, join us next week. We're going to have some more fun conversations uh, around technology and publishing. Please also follow us on Twitter uh, at PubTechNation. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Uh, Mike, what else? Can they follow you around in, in, in Manhattan? What else can they do? <laughs> yeah, let me give you my home address and phone number. Uh, also, a, a shout out to our weekly sponsor. Uh, it's Lynx, L-Y-N-X. Um, it's an awesome app for iPhone and iPad. There's also a web app. Um, amazing content, a great way to share uh, articles. You can even read your articles offline. Check it out. It's L-Y-N-X on the Apple App Store or LynxThat.com, L-Y-N-X-That.com if you want to use it on the web. 
really great platform, um, fun for everyone to use. So check it out also. Perfect. Thanks for joining us. This is Pub Tech Nation. Uh, I'm Shovik. This is Mike, my co-host, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks, guys. Take it easy.